This is Paul Dorsey, Brighton fan. You're listening to the Drunkard United Football Show. Arsenal fans need not apply. I'm all prepared with a great music reference, and you don't have your fucking vape. It's in my pocket. Oh, okay. Normally, you're like a freaking dragon lady with the, the smoke and everything. I got it right here. You know, it doesn't matter. I know Vince antithesized exactly what Brownsville Station said when they said, Teacher, don't you fill me up with your rules, because everybody knows that smoking ain't allowed in school. Let's start the show. Hello and welcome to the Drunkard United Football Show, a completely biased recap of the English Premier League is told by two common American schmucks. I am your host, Sam Houston, and across the way from me is our resident bad boy, Samuel Graham. Sammy, how you doing? Is that better for you? There we go. I'm doing well. <laughs> I'm a bad boy, right? Yeah, right. Gotta live up to my reputation. <laughs> We're recording at Studio H just outside our nation's capital. You can uh, check us out on most podcast platforms. If uh, Please rate, subscribe, review, and more importantly, share with a new friend. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, there's many ways that you can. Uh, Sammy, tell the good people how they can get in touch. Sure. We're at DU Football Show on all the social medias. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And then DU Football Show at gmail.com to get in touch uh, via email. Very good. Or, as I always like to say, Sammy, you can just drive, drive your, your happy, happy ass, ass over family. here. As is the case of our returning guest, Simon. Simon, great to see you again. How you doing, sir? Good to see you, gentlemen. Good to see everyone. Um, for any new listeners, refresh our memory. Who do you support? Uh, I'm Simon Torres. I am an Arsenal fan. I am one of the branch managers for Charm City Gooners, which is the official Arsenal Supporters Club of Baltimore, Maryland. We are resident at Abbey Burger Bistro in Federal Hill. Oh, so maybe we'll actually get a chance to talk about some other... Who am I fucking kidding? Sam's here. We're going to talk <laughs> about Arsenal the whole fucking time. Damn Sam straight. and myself both work in the wine and spirits industry and both have a deep, passionate love for all things distilled spirit. So as the red-blooded Americans we are, we vow to have a drink in our hand throughout this show and every show. Sammy, what are we drinking tonight? All right, tonight we've got uh, Tequila Ocho, their Plata, uh, which is their Blanco. Um, comes in at 80 proof. This is the Vintage 2016. Uh, from the Puerta, Puerta del Are. Um, Can the master Simon distiller. say that? He's really sexy with his accent. <laughs> Puerta del Are. Yeah. yeah Thank there you, we go. Simon. You're welcome. Galuli. Making me less Puerto Rican every week. <laughs> um, <laughs> master distiller uh, for this brand is Carlos Camarena. He also does a couple of other brands also. Most of you might be familiar with Familia Camarena, uh, which Gallo bought from him. Um, but that's also one of his recipes. Uh, this is a much more of a craft brand, obviously. Yeah. Tapatio, also the uh, the hot sauce brand. Yeah, uh-huh. they make a tequila. He he makes that as there well. There you go. Um, so he's one of the most famous taquileros uh, in Jalisco. Um, but this particular expression is a single estate tequila uh, with agave harvested all in the same season in the same year, uh, which gives it the vintage, yeah. uh, much like you would see a, a wine. Um, also, same plot of land, like, right. like an individual farm yeah. plotted land. Exactly, uh, which makes it a single estate. Um, they do change estates every year. So each vintage is a different plot of land, um, which is pretty cool uh, and makes things, you know, totally different. You know, that, that local terroir to those, those, different, um, those different estates really change the flavor of the tequila, uh, potentially. 200, 200 yards and the difference in a slight elevation can change one plot to another plot. Absolutely. And then like this 2016 uh, Puerto de Are is not going to be available again until at least 10 years from now before they even think 
about going off of this plot of land again. Right. Um, so this is going to run you between forty nine ninety nine and fifty four ninety nine on the shelf, um, and they really just go up in price from there. I think you were telling me earlier their extra in Yeho goes a couple hundred bucks potentially uh, yeah. on the shelf. And what's kind of nifty with their um, their aged expressions, they're very much the opposite of everybody else. So we had uh, when we did our blade show, we did the Tears of Lorona, right. which had triple cask finish to it, and while it still tasted like tequila, there's a lot of other things going on. They actually take for like their reposado and their añejo. Their reposado is practically clear. They scrape out the charring and they age it for the minimum amount of time. Like they wow. really don't want the agave to be overly affected by the wood. They simply put it in wood because in order to call it a repo or añejo or an you extra añejo, yeah. you have to. So like their extra añejo looks almost like a repo. Wow, it's re- and they- and wow, their stuff is rock star good. Well, there you go. Well, All right, kids, let's have a great show. Yeah, let's do it. That was a dainty one, wasn't it? It was, yeah, it was a little soft. (laughs) It was so dainty. Can I just say, the last time I was here, I had to drink Malort. This is much improved. (laughs) You all knew that the Mexican-American Kai from El Paso was coming. As I told Big Sam um, before we started recording, the tequila I grew up drinking was probably made in a dirty bathtub. Uh, Tequila and I haven't been friends for many years because of my adventures in Ciudad Juarez when I was a kid. My parents now know that I wasn't at a friend's house. (laughs) Uh, So I appreciate this fine tequila and for you guys having it for me. Thank you. No problem. Go ahead. Uh, you unmuted yourself so clearly. No, you had I something you wanted gonna to say. I was just going to say, you brought out the fancy glasses again. Well, you know. It's, it must be me. It's really good tequila. You deserve it. And get mouthy again, and y'all are going to get the fucking Red Solo cup. So just settle down. <laughs> so this season saw the end of the era and a start of a new one. How would you hey, grade hey. what? What? It's my team. I'm going to drive the fucking bus today. I drive the fucking bus. Piss off. Okay. Oh, now he's getting all pissy. He's Go leaving. Ahead, all right. <laughs> Does this mean I can mute his mic since he's gone? <laughs> all right. So our boys ended an era. We got a new coach for the first time in 22 seasons. Obviously, there were some positives and negatives. Um, what do you think the positives from the seasons were? Obviously, we had our 22-game unbeaten run. We had a couple of signings that seemed to bet in uh, pretty well with the team. So what? give me your take from the, the season. It's hard to separate positives from negatives when you're talking about 2018-2019 Arsenal. Uh, everybody will rightly bring up the fact that they didn't win the Europa League, that they didn't qualify for the Champions League. But I think if you're going to take a glass as half full, or even it's a glass view, um, they improved their point total. Several players uh, that had sort of languished under Arsene Wenger or had not seen the field at all, uh, really became better. Um, they were able to uh, further incorporate both Aubameyang and Lacazette into the offense. I think Aubameyang tied with the two Liverpool guys, uh, Mane and um, Salah, yep. for the golden boot. Um, so I, I think the positives were uh, improved Refreshing. points. Um, they made it to the Europa League final. Um, that's actually the last time I've seen either of you, and um, that was not a good day. No, it was not a good day. Uh, I probably should not have done the bourbon shots at the end. 
But <laughs> I, I, yeah. I think I think anytime you make such a massive change, um, it's going to be a transition. And I I still very much think that we are in that transition. But I think year one of the transition went pretty well. Yeah, I think it did also. I completely agree with that. And I love um, him being able to fit Aubameyang and Lacazette in uh, the excuse team Excuse me once. real quick. Um, if you're driving, daddy's breaking the streak. It's time to get back to drinking again. <laughs> um, I'm if No offense to the tequila, but if I'm going to break the streak, I'm going to do it with uh, whiskey of the American variety, if you don't mind. And uh, for those of you who didn't notice, I just chugged an entire ice house because I got to get myself loose because... Fuck, it's been too long. <laughs> I had to say, Simon just kept right on going through oh, your yeah. little temper tantrum without missing a beat. Professional. Completely solid. It's as if they didn't need you. Please, <laughs> continue. Um, but yeah, so I would like to see Ozil, um, if they're going to play him, they obviously now with Guendouzi and Torreira have cover for that roaming player if you will you know the player that doesn't necessarily have a position a proper number 10 um i'd like to see them find a way because he still has the quality it's just can he get up for it you know on the cold rainy day on the south coast or you know as we used to say obviously the the cold rainy day in stoke those are the games that he can't seem to get himself up for and he doesn't work hard enough on the defensive side of the ball um but now we actually have a spine in those two players i mentioned those new signings um, do you think that we'll be able to incorporate him back into the team and get him playing properly? Uh, Mesut Ozil is, and, and I, I'd be curious to talk to Big Sam about this, I, I feel that Mesut Ozil is probably the most divisive player that Arsenal has had in the past, past 25, 30 years. There's no questioning the guy's talent. Um, he, he makes passes, he sees passes that I think maybe 2% of the actual professional footballers out there can make. The problem, as you noted, is his consistency and his willingness to track back, his willingness to get stuck in. I actually think that the spell that he spent on the bench last year, whether or not he was hurt, whether or not it was in his contract that he could miss those games, there was a rumor that when he signed his new deal, he got three games a year that he could basically call out for whatever reason, which which is appalling to me as an Arsenal fan, as a football fan. But if that's in his contract, that's in his contract. I thought that Emery started to get more out of him. And you and I were both in Charlotte. I was in D.C. in the past week. And I noticed in the flesh that he was tracking back a little bit more. Well, the game in D.C. especially against Real Madrid, a former employer of his, he did track back a bit. Um, but again, it's Real Madrid. What is he going to do the week one away at Newcastle? I, I, I know that's the problem. Can he get himself up for it? I I, I, I have to say that um, I think Katie Lang has all the talent in the world. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Megan, Megan Rapino. 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 Thank you. Has I think all that the ice house is starting to hit him. Well, you know, daddy needed <laughs> that was a quick. beer. That was quick. <laughs> um, it's something that Sam and I have constantly said to one another. He seems like a professional footballer that doesn't actually like playing football. Like, it's almost like, okay, this is my job. This is what I do. And when things aren't exactly perfect playing conditions for him, he just goes, eh, fuck it. I'm just going to sit this one out. And it just, it's, what is it that needs to be the switch to turn on in there? And did Emery do that last season? I think he might have. I think <laughs> the kind of knocking him down a peg might have actually worked. Well, it didn't, it didn't happen. That, that particular thing didn't happen under Arsene Wenger. One of, one of the, the things that Aaron Ramsey said before he left 
um, he gave an interview to Arsenal Media uh, in January, February, where they were asking him these canned questions about um, players who get special treatment. And I think it was a joke. And he said he called Mesut Ozil out. And he said the old boss used to give him days off. Emery isn't interested in doing that. I think that a couple things happened with Ozil last year that I think are noteworthy. He got married. Um, that may help chill him out a little bit, may drive his fire a little more. I think he hears the rumors. He's on social media. You said he's a professional footballer that doesn't like playing football. I think a lot of Arsenal fans have said the very same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And Fortnite to him is golf to Gareth Bale. You know, yeah. it's kind of the same. <laughs> what What does he like to do? Well, he's very much about his brand. And his brand takes a knock when he's sitting on the bench. His brand takes a knock when his footballing is criticized on social media over mm -hmm. and over. Absolutely. I, I think for, for Mesut Ozil, this is a really make-or-break year for him. And I think that the two biggest fires under his ass will actually not be Unai Emery or his brand. It'll be Joe Willick and it'll be Danny Sabalos. Um, Willick is an up-and-coming Arsenal midfielder. Uh, we can talk about him mm -hmm. in good detail later. The kid has the goods um, and he has the build. He's he's bigger than Ozil. He's stronger than Ozil. Scored in, uh, in Charlotte. He did. Didn't he? He did. And after the DC match against Real Madrid, uh, Zinedine Zidane said that he was the most impressive player on the field yeah, he, for he Arsenal. Definitely didn't hurt his reputation in that he game did. either. And then Sabalos um, is a playmaking midfielder that can kind of play all over the place. Right. Um, he's essentially a, young, a direct replacement for Aaron Ramsey. Yeah. Except that he has he has more flair to his game than Rambo does. Yeah, absolutely. And and if Ozil gets off on a bad foot, it's not um, out of the question or out of the picture that. Those guys should take his minutes. Completely. 100% agree with that. I think we've also learned, too, with what we saw happen with Gareth Bale, that um, China will pick up wages. So <laughs> so if Ozil doesn't have a good year this year, Arsenal can always dump him to China, well, and China will gladly give the money. Part of, part of the problem is, like Simon was saying, his brand will suffer by not being in Europe. Oh, of course. And that, to him, is quite important. Where Gareth Bale trademarked his little heart with the eleven in it celebration, but I don't know his brand like I know the M10 brand. Osel's his his entourage, his wife, the man himself—they apparently love living in London. Yep. So he he is going to have to earn his place, keep his place in the team, um, and 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 like Graham said, the the test will be your first two games. You go away to mm -hmm. Newcastle, you come home to Burnley. Those are games that Arsenal should win, yep. and he should play a prominent role in them. <laughs> they better win. Steve Bruce yeah. in charge of fucking Newcastle. That's not <laughs> they better win that. If they the, win, if I, they don't win that game, I won't buy a Bruce banana shirt this year. And I really fucking want one. Let's let's face <laughs> it. The only thing that he's really afraid of is knife wielding uh, moped riders. Not if he has Kloshnak with him. <laughs> <laughs> Give that man the fucking captain's armband. <laughs> I some of the comments were very funny on that video online. Uh, with her, and thanks for everybody for sending us links to it and stuff, too. I shared one also uh, that someone sent uh, of the Twitter video of Kalas and Edge trying to grab the, the attacker. But um, one of the comments that made me laugh was... Uh, Somebody said that that was the most they've ever seen Kalazanac defend, <laughs> which uh, which made me laugh. That was funny, but no, uh, well done to him. Apparently, before everybody criticizes him, well, they already have started, but apparently Ozil's wife was in the car. 
okay. which is why he drove off. But then the, the article said that he then abandoned his car in the middle of the road and ran into a Turkish restaurant <laughs> uh, where he knew the staff to call the police. Uh, I, I would say, just because I'm going to go ahead and pull a you and make it about my club while we're talking <laughs> about your club. If I was um, waiting for this. Well done from Klasnach, but if that was Big Dunk, <laughs> the moped rider would have apologized for disturbing his time, <laughs> handed to him the knife, and go, I'm going to leave now, sir, and would have driven off. Yeah. Here, do, would you like to stab me? <laughs> Big, Dunk, was... Big Dunk would have rolled down the window and went, excuse me? And he just went, oh, I'm shit. sorry. Here, here, please, sir. Yeah. Would you care to stab me? Take it would my be knife. An, it would be an honor to be stabbed by Big Dunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Duncan Ferguson, Jesus Christ! All right, um, so we talked about the uh, the twenty two match unbeaten run a bit. Um, I think we did get a little lucky, a uh, little fortunate in some of those games. Um, I do think, you know, with the new players that came in, it was more of a kind of a galvanizing thing, and then getting off those two very difficult games to start the season off last year. Um, you had five good minutes against us in our game. Right, I know. I mean, you won. You hey. had five good minutes. You scored two goals. You won two nothing. When, we were the better side. Win, wins a win, bro. Yep. Enter a mile. How'd, That's all I'm saying. How'd, how'd that last game go against us? Uh, um, but there obviously were some negatives to last season. Um, the biggest one I can think of, the most glaring as a whole as a team, was we still had our week from hell. When we were chasing that top four position, I can't remember the third game, but we lost to Crystal Palace on a Sunday. Then we lost to Wolves on the Wednesday, and then we lost again at the uh, at the weekend. I can't remember who the third game was I against. Think it was, oh, I oh, think it was Brighton. It might have been Brighton. The only thing that benefited you at that time is that everybody else that was chasing for that Champions League spot was losing too. Right. Well, right, but that's where we could have went six points clear yeah. in fourth place because oh, everybody else was losing. But we always seem to have, and this happened under Wenger, we always seem to have that weak capitulation. And it used to be mid-March, We'd bow out of the Champions League. We'd bow out of the uh, the uh, FA Cup, and then um, we'd lose a, uh, a a Premier League game that would take us completely out of the top two. Or a good old Walt would drop a ball inside the eighteen yard <laughs> box, and you'd lose a uh, League Cup. Yeah, I think you meant Jordan Pickford, um, as he did that against Liverpool. Yeah, but then Pickford <laughs> also stopped uh, Salah on a one on one, which is why Liverpool, Liverpool lost the league. At at where? At Goodison Park. Thank you. Um, so what do you, what other negatives did you see? I mean, besides that week long, I mean, what what else? Maybe Ozil's behavior, or or what else do you do you take from last season that was poor that we hope to improve on? Well, so there there's on the field, there's an on the field answer, and then there's an off the field answer. The on the field answer is I think you hit it on the head. I mean, the the Goodison Park match that we lost one nil was one of the most frustrating matches I've watched in a while because it was there it was there for the taking and we didn't take it and we and we started out bright which is what we seem to do the latter part of the season we would start out really bright and then something would happen we we wouldn't score or the ball would bounce the wrong way and then we were on the back foot the whole time and we came out blazing against Everton and then they ran us off the field my brother was at that match after after we got the goal after Jagielka scored you guys stopped playing. It yeah. was like, okay, they we've lost, lost one nothing. Midfield. And, and, and then that was it. And, th- and that, that was something that we saw all too often under Arsene Wenger that was supposed to be different under Unai Emery. And, and, and the first part of the season, Arsenal led the league in wins by coming from behind. Correct. So everybody thought that the, the screw had turned, that this was a new Arsenal, that there was a new yep. mentality. 
And to concede like that at Goodison and to lose the match without heart, to get run off the fucking field Absolutely. at Molyneux was embarrassing. But, yep. the, but, but the season was really lost for me, and I, and I still am not over it, and I won't be over it, by losing to Crystal Palace at home yep. and by losing to Brighton at home. That's, yep. that's, that's Absolutely. six points dropped. I mean, you don't need to be a math major to see that we finished behind Spurs by one point. Yep. So people want to point to Abba missing the penalty at Wembley. Which was a terrible penalty. It was way, a terrible penalty. Yeah. It was, it was, I could have done that. It sh- <laughs> but, but those six points were the difference for the season. That's Correct. six points to two teams in the bottom half of the table. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. At those home. are W's. Yeah, at, at home. Even worse, that has to be a fucking win. Yeah. Has to be a win. Absolutely, yeah. Both of them have to be wins. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You have you, to you have to hold serve against your your top six, top seven com- opponents on the road. You, you need to take a you need to take a draw. You and you have to beat them at home, and then you need to win all of your home games against everybody else at home. Absolutely. And they didn't do that last year. Unless you're Crystal Palace, you just win all your away games. <laughs> yeah, precisely. <laughs> so that's or, or if you're Brighton Hove Albion, you just make sure the other guy loses more. It's <laughs> a good strategy for life. That's, um, that's Dig Paul. <laughs> That's that's the on the field disappointments. The off field disappointments, letting Aaron Ramsey go for nothing. Um, that still gets my goat. And and you can blame Ivan Gazidis, and plenty of people have. The man may have been commercially capable, but he didn't know his ass from a hole in the ground when it came to football. Um, he it's was a poor man's Ed Woodward. <laughs> you know, he if, if this guy's legacy is the he was the bridge between Arsene Wenger and Sanel, he and Vikai, and now Edu, then he was a pretty shitty bridge, and he yep. fucked off to Milan as soon as he could. Absolutely. Uh, to see a, a player like Ramsey, I mean, if he's going to leave, he's going to leave, right? Yeah, you should have sold him in January for $30 million, Right, is what they should have done. And I understand why they didn't, because because he was obviously, once he went out, our season went to shit. Yep. He was obviously one of the most indispensable players that we had on our team last year, and I don't think Emery knew that in August, but he knew it in January. Absolutely. So I understand why you want to keep him, because the pressure is so high to make the top four, to win Europa. So then here's a question to pose, just from an outsider's point of view. Um, why the fuck wasn't he offered a contract? Why didn't Klaas, I mean, why didn't uh, Kroenke come up with money? Like, why wasn't there? If if he's he's been with the club forever, he's a part of the system. Why didn't anybody just at least make an effort to fucking offer him something? Well, they did. He, he, he did. He, he did. They turned it down. He did. Uh, Ramsey's camp turned it down. Yeah. Apparently, he wanted a pay increase, mm-hmm. but he also wanted Arsenal to pick up part of that pre-tax to be donated to a charity directly from the club as part of his wage packet. And apparently the club wasn't down for it. They wanted him to donate the money post-tax after they paid him. I I heard that rumor too. So I don't know what actually ended up happening. That was swirling around in a couple of different publications. That's not good then. Because, I mean, that's, I mean, come on, let's face it. How hard is it to donate the money pre-tax? Right, and now he's not hurting anybody, and the club gets to write that money off too. Correct. Like that. Now that, he's that the, sounds bad. Now he's the uh, highest paid Brit, but uh, behind Scrooge McDuck down in Madrid. <clears throat> when, when you look at when you look at Aaron Ramsey, that's been my Gareth Bale joke, Simon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big vault of money that he's been yeah, swimming around. Swimming in, around, right? Him. Yeah. I, I, I watch Ducktales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you look at the 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 wage package that. Arsenal have were rumored to offer Ramsey was 170, 180 a week. That's pretty fair. It, it is fair, and then you look at what he's making at Juventus, and you look at the guy who was making the most of our team last year is on 300 a week, 
and you understand why Aaron Ramsey turned that deal down. Okay. I think the bigger question is, and I and I think the answer is because Arsenal is shitty at this. Why is Mesut Ozil making three hundred a week? And the answer is, when Mesut Ozil and Alexis Sanchez, who were both coming down to the end of their contracts, Arsenal was paranoid that they were going to lose them both. They they decided, and probably rightfully so, that Ozil was the one to keep and not Alexis Sanchez. Right. And so they decided to throw monopoly money at him. And that's, I mean, it's not Ozil's fault that the club offered him three hundred a week. Oh yeah, you offer me fuck you money, I'm taking. I'm it. taking yeah, the money for sure. Like. But but that money that they're paying Mesut Ozil and Sam and I have been uh, Graham and I have been talking about this for for years. Ozil and Ramsey play the same position. They play it differently, but they play the same position. Yep. Right. Um, if you offer one of them that kind of money, then you can't offer it to the other. Right. And so you basically say to the other, you're not the guy we want. Okay, so that, that answers my question perfectly. Yeah, Thank that's you. that's essentially it. And I will note, and, and I love Aaron Ramsey, the man could not have been more professional on his way out. Absolutely. And you could see in his face, walking around the Emirates, that final game that they played at home, the emotion on his face. As he's waving goodbye to everybody. I mean, he cared about the club. He became a man at the club. I mean, they bought him pretty young from Cardiff, mm-hmm. and he's been a stalwart, less the injuries. He's been a stalwart in our team. Which, which good on him for doing the classy thing, because let's face it, I think we can count two that do it the classy way. Yeah. Him, I mean, he could have been like Lukaku. Him and Adrisa Gay, and that's it. Oh, by the way, that's it. That's the only I'm two still that convinced. I forgot it. to bring this up when you yeah. talked about us uh, playing you at Goodison, that one no loss. Yeah, um, I'm convinced now that that game is when PSG decided they wanted him. Oh yeah, he had a good. <laughs> g- he had a really good game so, against you guys. So you're welcome. We helped them. <laughs> we helped them make that decision to pick off one of your players to guarantee us a top six space again. Uh, we did. We we did more than triple our money on that deal. So <laughs> that's true. again, it breaks my heart, but I'm I'm happy business wise. It's a very smart move. Um, so now I want to talk about our signings from last season. I personally, you know, everybody knows that listens to this show. I'm the dickhead on our on our team. I have been forever. I was the enforcer on my college team. That's how I play. Seeing Ganduzi, seeing um, Torreira come in was a very, very high point for me last summer. Um, you know, I hated, I loved the player that he was. Obviously played for Manchester United, so I hated him. But I loved Roy Keane the way that he played the game. I loved Patrick Vieira beyond belief when he was with us. Seeing that steel, that you know, fervor come back uh, in our midfield is phenomenal, in my opinion. What it, and it's something we've been lacking for a very long time. Right, proper dickheads. dickheads. Absolutely. You're, you're, it looked like your team's balls dropped last season. Yeah. You, you, got, some, now, you got some grown men to play, to, to play mean. Yeah. You got some grown men to play fucking mean. It's yeah. really what it looked like. So, but the other positive thing is Torreira's what twenty two and Ganduzi's nineteen, and they they slotted in expertly, in my opinion. Um, hey, Ganduzi made a few young mistakes. I think Torreira looked a, more the seasoned play. Like, yeah, Torreira was more plug and play. Other than his red card, the one red card, the, like he was more plug and play, ready to rock and roll. Which you, was for you, me wasn't a red card. Right. You look. You look at. Uh, and Ganduzi, you can t- still tell there's there needs to be polish to that stone. Yeah, and you know? he, he's a little slower, Ganduzi. Yeah. Also, he's gonna need that's gonna come with experience. I think he's gonna need to be much more positionally aware because he's not the quickest player. Um, but what do you think about the two signings last year and and what they did? I for me, I was overjoyed that we finally got some steel back in that midfield. So I would actually say 
that there were four signings that, as Sam so eloquently put it, help our balls drop a little bit. Um, Torreira and, and Ganduzi are two of them. Um, Torreira, how could you not love the guy? Um, I think he ran out of gas near the end of the season. I think he picked up a knock. I think the demands of the English game are unlike any other in the world. And he came from Serie A, where he played really well, but they don't or really play. Samp, wasn't it? Sampdoria. Yeah. They don't play defense in Serie A. The Italians, known for defense, don't really play that defense. They, Just, they smoke cigarettes and yeah. and go to the cafe and enjoy a nice late afternoon lunch. It's That's a what gra- they do in Syria. It's and a then great get a bunch of red cards, and in the last five minutes, score ten goals. <laughs> it's That's a Syria great beat. Games. It's a great beat. I think he ran out of gas, but I think he was fantastic. Uh, Ganduzi, this this is this is where the Mislin Tat defenders point to how much we're going to miss this guy and and I hope that Edu can replicate and expand Sven's sort of wonderful eye for talent. This kid was playing Ligde and he came out and he set it on fire because he was not afraid of a motherfucker. Anybody. Nope. And and you're right. He is he does not have the grit, the best mm-hmm. pace. He plays the safe pass. I think that will come. I think once he gets more familiar with the players, but there are two other signings that I think helped the balls of our team. One was Socrates, mm-hmm. and the other one, and and we can have this argument till the cows come home. I think Burn Leno is a top five goaltender in the Premier League right now, and I'd 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 give you that one. He's he's a hell of a keeper. He's a good shot stopper. Makes very good decisions. A lot of the goals he gave up last season were probably his defense hanging him out mm-hmm. to dry. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I'd like to see a little more from him, but as yeah, I'd I'd give you top five in this league. Absolutely. The, the other thing, and you can't downplay the mental aspect of it, the togetherness part of it. When he got scored on, he wasn't standing up, pointing at you, and throwing his arms all about, and doing that kind of shit that the we'll come on to I, with somebody else. I I hate I hate that as as just from me as a keeper, and I know I've I've talked with you about about this a ton, Graham. Yep. But um, for me, like I hate Brad Kuzan. Whenever he plays for the U.S. national team, because every time he gets scored on, he jumps up and points at everybody but himself, especially when I watched him get beat on the near post, which we talked about last week as a goalkeeper. I I mean, granted, I'm not a world class goalkeeper, but I played the position for 25 years. Right. You do not get beat on your near post. If you get beat on your near post, there is one person to look at you in the mirror. That is your fucking mistake. Yep. And, and I hate the. You'll be happy that to know. I just randomly saw the LAFC uh, Atlanta game this weekend. Mm-hmm. Brad Guzan gave up. Uh, uh, Atlanta was up one nil. Brad Guzan gave up three goals in seven minutes. Yeah, I watched. I watched that game and I turned it off at halftime. Like, and, <laughs> and let me bag. let me guess. None of them were his fault, no. right? They were no, everybody not. else's fault. Of course not. Yelling at everybody else on the pitch. God. It was fucking ridiculous. Yeah, no. Nah, it's you got watching Carlos Vela score goals is another one that makes oh. me sad now too. We had him for how long? Eight nine years. Sent him on loan seven times. So. Ugh. So, so I would I would add Leno and I would add Socrates to that list. I I I'm encouraged by some of the DM, defensive reinforcements that we've made. I think Leno is going to be really good for a really long time. Socrates is on the back end of his career, but but we were automatically more organized when that guy was on the field. Absolutely, he paired really well with. Rob Holding, mm-hmm. he re- paired really well with Koscielny. I think the Socrates Holding one is the, is the pairing we'll be looking at. Right. Um, hopefully for most of the year, if Rob can get back on the field and stay healthy. So I, I think that those, I mean, everybody wants to talk about 
Lacazette and Aubameyang, but I think that you've hit on something. Oh, you ha- you have to start at the back with the core, the yeah. spine. Yeah, I mean you can't play. Win every game four to three. I mean, that's it's not sustainable. We're going to test that theory. Right. <laughs> well, look look at the, uh, the let's just take the the top two clubs, right? Liverpool, Man City. For as attractive a football as they play, they have right proper dicks holding down the fort. They've yeah. got big, strong, hardman players that play the game really well, and because they do that, it allows the team to be creative. What? Jurgen Klopp has never had a central defender like he has in Van Dyke. Yeah. And that's why he, his teams are doing things that they've never done before. Pains pains me to say this, arguably one of the best players in the world right now. Yeah, for sure. He, he really and, is. Well, part of the problem is with that and then the the amount of money being tossed out for Harry Maguire, that's what's driving up the price of center backs. Yeah. Right? So that's I think what's pricing us out of the market. <clears throat> Yep. And why we just signed an 18-year-old from Saint Etienne and then immediately loaned him back because he's not ready. Well, I think along with holding, um, I think Chambers probably got the work he needed being with Fulham. And I, th- while I don't think he's your starting option, I think he's a good backup option, and I think he's he's gonna help. Well, since we're on the subject, why don't we talk about it now? I think he is a starter at the beginning of the season. Okay. Rob Holding's not fit. Right. Um, Mavropanos hasn't gotten a run on the team, and he's been dealing with some injuries on the tail end of last season. Um, and then what happened with Koscielny a few weeks ago? I was just looking, expecting you to say, fuck Mustafi. No, well... <laughs> I think it's even, implied. He <laughs> do, yeah, he doesn't even exist to me right now. I'm talking about the people that we'll actually see on the field. Um, what I'm worried about... Mustafi. No, I ho- I really hope not. You're totally gonna. <laughs> but I thought against Ra- I thought against Real Madrid. Granted, it's preseason, sure, but the starters seem to play for about 65, 70 minutes, uh, which was also nice to see. Um, but I thought Callum Chambers did really well. I thought he played fantastically well um, next to Socrates. And after Socrates went off, I thought he played very well, um, and and was loud and was organizing. You could see him pointing. His confidence has grown tremendously. Um, Anything to keep Mustafi off the field is a welcome thing. Uh, but with what happened with Koscielny a few weeks ago, where he refused to come on the tour because he wants out of the club, that's very unexpected. Um, he's at the tail end of his career, but I think he still had good games to give us. I think he's still a quality player, and I think he still had a chance, you know, four or five game run, give him a week off. You know, that kind of that kind of schedule. Um and he's good and for the this, locker room. Yeah, absolutely. And this is this is just no good. It's a terrible situation. And it gives the chance for Mustafi to be on the field that much more. I think Arsenal is I still I think they're still counting on Kashoni. I think that they're hoping that this row passes. I don't think it's going to. I mean the Kashoni has been a wonderful captain. He's been a wonderful servant. And and people use that word and people other people make fun, like, yeah, you're a real servant. You're making millions of dollars to play for the club. But he's been a great ambassador for the club, and he's played the right way, and he played through injury, and he came back and all that. But the notion that because you, you've done those things, you're entitled for the club who still has a year on your contract to let you out so you can go back to France is absurd. Arsenal has been crucified for doing business like that. They're holding firm. They're saying, no, we're not letting you out. If if Bordeaux or Lille or Marseille or whoever is rumored to be in for him want him, they can pay for him. Yeah. And they don't have to pay that much. He can pay for himself. He's over 28 years old. 
He could buy out his own contract if he really wants to move that bad. And I'm sure whatever club he goes to would be more than willing to give him a signing bonus for that exact amount. Right, right, right. So if you really want to go that bad, then go. And I've loved everything he's done for the club. I love everything about the guy. For me, though, there is nobody bigger than the team. There is nobody bigger than the club. And if this is how you're going to behave, kick fucking rocks, man. uh, I don't don't disagree. Let's let's go back to Chambers because Chambers – is a really interesting example for me of the benefit of loaning a player out. So the guy went to a team that was eventually relegated, and they gave up a shit ton of goals. He scored a screamer, too. He did. <laughs> the problem I have with Chambers, and I do think that he is capable, and I, and I, and I hope that he will be starting ahead of Mustafi. The problem I have for Chambers is that his best games for Fulham were not at center back. They're a defensive midfielder. Yep. I, that was actually yep. the point I was about to bring up. Yep. I think that might actually make him a better center back is the fact that he's played some time at center uh, at, at center defensive holding midfielder kind of role. To you have to handle more of the field. You actually have to address an attacker. You actually have to defend them. You a have center to track back, a runner. A center back can always fall back on his heels. Now, it doesn't mean you're necessarily not going to get beaten, but a center back can always just go, all right, well, let me take a step back. A holding defensive midfielder doesn't have that option. Right. You've got to go get the fucking ball. You've got to, you've got to make a tackle. And that might have made him maybe give him a little bit better decision making as a center back to not just think default, oh, step off of him. If you're, if you're right, and I think you might be right, what Arsenal is potentially looking at and it might not be this year, but it'll be next year. You're looking at a back line of a certain rumored Celtic left back. Mm-hmm. You're looking at um, holding and either Saliba, or which is confirmed, or Chambers, and you're looking at Hector Bellerin. Yep. I mean, the problem the problem with picking holes in Arsenal's defense right now, right now, is two of our best defenders had major injuries that they're rehabbing from. I mean, everybody wants to give Ainsley Maitland-Niles a shit raft because he got worked against Real Madrid. He got worked against Bayern Munich. Well, look at the guys that are working. Kingsley is right. a beast. Yeah. Right? And and Maitland-Niles is not a natural right back. Nope. He's he, His best position is defensive midfield. Absolutely. So it, it, if you're taking the long view, and I think the Saliba signing – I get it. It sucks that we don't have him this year. I think that's a really smart signing. No, absolutely it is. 100%. Because he's going to get Lingon experience this year, uh-huh. and then he's going to come in next year, and he should walk into a starting absolutely. job. Absolutely. I, I love Mavropanos. I thought he, the couple of times he's come in, I thought he played very well. Obviously very young. Right. But uh, and, and made a couple of mistakes. I remember the last game, not this past season, but the season before where he got sent off. It was just a young mistake. It was yeah. just... Lester. Yeah. Just stupid. But I think he's a quality player, and if he can stay fit, I think he should be on the field. You know, get some good minutes. Well, but I think when when Rob Holding gets fit finally, I think he'll walk back into the starting lineup along with Socrates, and then hopefully Callum Chambers in that back three. What I don't understand, and I still can't figure out for the life of me, one of the four games that Arsenal played when they were over here was in L.A. Obviously, old Cronkers lives out in L.A., right? Mm-hmm. That's where his his you know, favorite child lives uh, in the Rams. Um, it's a shame to me that what happened with Ozil and Kalazanach happened after they left. 
because it, I think it would have been the perfect opportunity to just send Kalazanach up to his office and walk out with a briefcase full of 850 fucking million pound. <laughs> That's all we needed to do was send Kazo up there and, and get it taken care of. Be like, hey, you give money now. Mm-hmm. You give me the money. Show me the money. We we make football team better. Yeah, you give me money now. Yeah, give that man his money. Pay that man his money. He beat me fair and square. Just watch that. That that I love that movie. That movie is in the pantheon, like the Big Lebowski. Oh yeah. Um, like Batman Begins. Whenever that movie's on, I don't care what I'm doing. No. I stop and no. I watch it, yeah. and I don't care where it is. No, yeah. and I grab Oreos. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You know the. I hated Edward Norton as an actor for years. Really? Because I hated the character he played. That's how good he was at oh, Worm. Yeah. He's a total prick at Swarm. And I, I hated the man because I hated his character. Apparently when they did the, the, the Hulk movie, yeah, that the, apparently those yeah. rumors are very true. He's an absolute prick. <laughs> I was All right, in, guys. So the Oh um, sorry. The, the, hi. The, the pro- hey, look, we hijacked the Arsenal show. <laughs> the score. Wait, hey, the, Mel, would you, Mel, would you Mel, rather Mel, not? I see, I see the vein. I see, I the, see vein. the vein. There's it's a right vein. There. The, uh, would you rather not? Red. Would you rather not talk about Mustafa? You talk about well, Edward Norton. I was gonna say, speaking about pricks, we should probably address the elephant in the room, uh, the one that always throws his arms up, that points at everybody else, that that is just a general all around fucking cocksucker, Skodra Mustafi. <laughs> uh, we can't ship him off to save our lives, can we? Nobody in the world wants him. By the way, I would just like to Not say, a as, single as, fucking as an Everton fan, and you know, just you're welcome. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. Maybe if you gave him a couple minutes under Big Dunk, he would have grown into an actual man. You're welcome. <laughs> Here's what I don't understand about Mustafi. Uh, he was a starter on a World Cup winner. Uh, either his game is really deteriorated, or the guys around him were really good. And and I think Manuel Neuer was the goaltender for that Germany team, wasn't? Yeah. So that Manuel Neuer erases a lot of mistakes, to be sure. Absolutely, I, especially that World Cup. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, my my view on Mustafi is I would rather him not be at my club. I won't boo the guy. I when we were in Charlotte, and I DC, booed every touch. I'm sure you did. <laughs> I won't boo one of my own players, even though I was booing inside. <laughs> um, what I can't understand is if if Holding is hurt, Chambers is just back from loan, Mavropanos is a guy that you mentioned that it was another Mislintat finding. Yep. And he got and on And also the f- Greek, like Socrates. Right, right. He got on the field at the end of Arsene Wenger's last year. I think Arsene was surprised that he was as good in training as he was. Yeah. And he had one really good game. He went to Old Trafford and bossed Man United. Absolutely. And then he does something stupid. He gets thrown out against Leicester. And then he gets hurt. Yep. What is wrong with him that he can't beat out Skodron Mustafi? Correct. Uh, I think part of it is uh, that terrible mustache he has. <laughs> That doesn't help. But I, he's Greek, I, right? Isn't that isn't that, that accepted? I guess. Sam, R, I would argue <laughs> that he didn't play um, a ton under uh, Wenger because you know Wenger was on the sideline feeding him little candies out of his pocket. <laughs> Fuck off, gross. <laughs> Fuck off. He wasn't driving a white van, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so new signings this year that are confirmed. Mm-hmm. We've already talked a little bit about Saliba. I think that's a great signing for the future. I agree. Even. If it's not far in the future, I think he's a, a, a very promising, strong, he's a big lad for 18. Um, I think he's going to do great things for us in the future. Uh, but Danny Ceballos, again, I think we've replaced, <clears throat> excuse me, I think we've replaced uh, Aaron Ramsey well 
even if it's only for a season and with our limited budget, I do think that that's an excellent signing that we've made. Um, uh, and then we're obviously in the market for a winger for some odd reason. So I guess that'll come. But these two new players that we have, uh, obviously only one of them is going to be here. Um, and then Gabriel Martinelli looks like one for the future, too. Scored a couple of goals in the preseason. Yeah, I, I, I like all three signings. Yeah. My my hope is that if if you believe the rumors and and Spanish media is even more flighty than the English media in terms of yeah. getting into rumors and rumor mongering, uh, Ceballos and Zidane don't get on. Yep. And um, I've heard that as well. And my hope is that Ceballos will love playing in England, love playing for Arsenal, and that this is just a bridge to a deal. But the problem with Ceballos is if he has the kind of year that we hope he has for Arsenal. His price tag is going to be his massive. price tag is going to go up. I think right now his price tag is probably around forty to forty-five million dollars. Yeah, I'd agree with that. If he kicks ass, you're looking at sixty or seventy. Yep. And he plays central midfield. Correct. What is the albatross that we have in central midfield that we just talked about that prevented us from re-upping Aaron Ramsey? Yep. Right. Was Mezzanozil. Right. But I hope that it's great. Martinelli has pace. I don't know how much game time he's going to get to play. I don't. I don't think he's going to get to play a lot. Um, especially because you've got Alba and, and uh, uh, Laka in such good form. I mean, even they look like they didn't miss a beat over the summer. I thought right. their movement, um, I thought their connection, uh, especially at the Real Madrid game uh, at FedEx, was was excellent. Um, and Eddie and will they, start in front of him anyway. Eddie will play before Martinelli plays. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Eddie and Ketia. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so I think he's a little far down the pecking order now. I think he'll play with the U23s as an 18-year-old. Um, I think he'll get a couple of cup games here and there. Uh, probably in the League Cup, not FA Cup. And you may see him in the early stages of the Europa League, like if we go to a Carabag again or something like that, uh, depending who ends up in our group. But, um, but yeah, I, I, think, I think that that's a, a, another one for the future that's, that's really going to pay off. You know, he, he looks sharp. He's got a lot to learn, but he looks sharp. He doesn't look out of place. Correct. Absolutely. Now, uh, going into let's look ahead to the next year, will the money be there? Will or, or is all depends on the champions of qualification. Is gonna like so that okay? Well, then that being said, um, we've talked about this a few times. First time I'll bring it up to you is one and two is pretty well thought out. We know who the top two teams are going to be, and I know it pains you guys to hear this, but the Spurs are going to hang around there. Four, around five, one and two around. They're going to be third, and they're going to hang around that. I feel like I I think as much as I hate to say it, especially on the Arsenal centric show, I think Spurs could finish second. I think the Copa America and the uh, the Africa Cup of Nations are going to have a very adverse effect on Liverpool. That entire front three played the entire summer, and City is going to pay a lot of attention to the Champions League now. They've they've won back to back titles in in the Prem, and then Liverpool is only going to be focusing on the Premier League title. And let's face it, they love to choke. They, yep. I mean, they haven't won one yet, and they'll figure out a way to screw it up. And that leaves a team like Spurs an opportunity to walk right through the fucking door. And they've got enough talent to do it. Now, going to the to the second part of that is is Chelsea. Who the fuck knows? You know, because yeah, there's yeah, plenty yeah, of no, talent, no and but it's a new coach, it's a new system. There's no ability to sign anybody, but this team they've got plenty of talent, so they could stick around. Manchester United, who the fuck knows? And you guys don't have any fucking money to spend. So I and and let's face it, the other thing that I that I've been mentioning the past couple of weeks is that 
7, 8, 9, and 10 have all gotten better. Mm-hmm. They, they've all spent good money, and they've all gotten better. I think the top 10, especially past number three, is a lot closer than it's ever been. I think I I will disagree with you. I okay. uh, on one and I don't disagree on you with you on one and two. I think three through seven are really fluid. Um, I I don't rate, and it's not just because I'm an Arsenal fan. I don't rate Tottenham as highly as you appear to. Okay. Um, they had a really good signing. I, I can't remember the kid from France. Either. And Dombele. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be good. Um, I think that both Son and Harry Kane are fragile. They're made of glass. Um, and uh, and Son may be more durable than Harry Kane. Um, I think even with Kane's injury, Tottenham, for as sort of thin as their squad was last year, was really lucky not to have more injuries. I think that's going to catch up with them this year. Okay. Um, I think being in the new stadium and making Champions League runners-up will be wind in their sails. Um, I, I still don't... I would not put them as a lock for third. I think that they're. I think that it's going to come down to, and I would actually put Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, Everton, and Wolves, and to, and uh, in that third through seven mix mm-hmm. ahead of Manchester United. Right. Um, Arsenal missed Champions League by one point. Yep. They missed third place by two points. The, you you made a good point. Everybody was trying to shit the bed at the end. Nobody wanted. Yeah, nobody wanted to third win. through fourth. Hell, we named it a segment in our show. Who wants to be, win Champions League? Because sure as hell, these guys don't fucking want to. Yeah. <laughs> with with the exception of Aaron Ramsey, I think Arsenal has improved. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I I and I'm not and I and I can tell you right now. Bring me back in in May, and if Arsenal is sitting third, I won't be surprised. And if we're sitting sixth, I won't be surprised. So I, I think a full season now under the new coach, another full preseason. Now we have brought in a couple guys a little late, but a majority of the team with a full preseason. Um, and for the European boys, not a lot of football this summer, which was good. So they all got a rest. Um, I think they bet in the new system even further. Uh, uh, we saw down in Charlotte, they were training after the match. They were exercising, right, on the field, doing jumps, light sprints. They were running hard. Yeah. They, it was great and great to see. And I think that now having just a further season in the system, understanding what Unai Emery expects of you, seeing his substitution patterns, which last year paid off tremendously, I think he rotated well. Everybody seems to be happy, Right. Where under Wenger wouldn't touch anything till sixty-eight minutes, no matter what, unless someone was injured. You know, so you feel like you can get on the pitch. Players seem more switched on. I think if we can avoid the mistakes at the back, we ha- we do have a good chance of qualifying for the Champions League again. But as you brought up, it was an excellent point. Those just behind us, besides Manchester United, have strengthened and strengthened considerably. Yeah. Now, I think Ceballos is, is going to play a major role this season. And we've seen it sometimes with Spanish players. They don't always bet into England that well. Not everybody's David Silva or Santi Cazorla. They don't, they don't always come in. We saw it with Dennis Suarez uh, in January. Could not get used to English life. Could not get used to Arsenal, period. Mm-hmm. It just it never happened. We paid, what was it, $10, 12000000 in a loan fee to Barcelona. He played three times. 
I think Ceballos is not going to go that route. I think he's going to bet in and bet in brilliantly. Um, and if he can, you got just behind him, you've got the, the pairing of Ganduzi and, uh, and Torreira rotating games. I think we'll be fine. I really do. And as long as Ava and Laka can score goals again, we'll be fine. I think you left out a really important player and a guy who is one of the guys we were talking about earlier that improved under Unai Emery tremendously. He's still good for a crazy two-footed challenge once every two or three matches, but Granit Xhaka has, has actually really improved. And, and looks like a real leader now he, as well. He does. He does. And when you talk about Arsenal scoring potency, but lacking in the midfield and lacking at the back line, that's why we lost Chelsea last year in the Europa League final. We got our asses kicked. Yeah. I think a, a switch on Jaka with a guy like Ceballos, with Torreira, with Guendouzi, there can be plenty of rotation. I think that core that you were talking about will help us is stay in the hunt. So I guess we'll see. What really makes me nervous again is our central defense is really what it boils down to. Who's in there? Because Koscielny was the only one that gave us a chance. The way we get beaten, the way the most goals scored against us happened because of Route 1 fucking football. They happened from basic crosses into the box, like we saw the first goal Chelsea score in the Europa Center League final. Center backs falling asleep. Right, with Giroud nipping across, who's slow as can be. Love the man, slow as can be. Nipped across the central defender, got his meaty French forehead to it. You... Uh, Ashley Barnes scored a goal against us. What we did at, at at Southampton with Danny Ings and Charlie Austin always seemed to score against us. Andy Carroll used to always score against us. Peter Crouch always used to score against us. We have not addressed that issue, and you cannot solidify at least third, fourth, fourth spot without taking care of that problem because they will drop points to a club they should easily beat because of a fucking corner a set piece, or a basic-ass cross. You can, I, I hate to put too much pressure on a guy coming back from a major injury, but when Rod Holding started last year, Arsenal didn't lose a match. And I think there's a reason for that. I think the guy is composed. I think he's big. I think he's good in the air. He's a good leader, and he paired really well with Socrates. Um, he's supposed to come back September... I believe so. I heard something swirling around a couple of weeks ago that said he may be out until late fall early winter great um with a, a little bit of a setback but he was out and about all smiles um in charlotte and dc i saw him at a pub in, in la with hector bellerin so I, hopefully he's not turning into benjamin mendy and uh, <laughs> he actually is taking his recovery very seriously i, I think i think <laughs> you're going to see arsenal playing a lot of five two five three games in the start of the season until that back line gets solidified i i just think it's inevitable i think it's going to give us all heart attacks as supporters but i think until holding not and if Bellerin, we score the five first right exactly until <laughs> holding and bellerin come back i think that's what we're in for and i think we just have to accept it producer mel here clearly you like the show since you're still listening so why don't you go ahead and hit that subscribe button and while you're at it hit the share button too and tell a friend don't have a friend well use the du show to make one Next time you see someone in a jersey, walk up and go, hey, do you listen to the Drunkard United football show? And now you and your new friend can both subscribe to the DU football show. See how helpful I am? You're welcome. It's time to tell you what very little we know. It is speculation time, Gooner edition. Yeah. Sammy, 
What do you got for us? All right. So uh, apparently, Lil have agreed a fee with Arsenal, uh, seventy-two million structured. So that's still not coming out of the forty this this year. Uh, I, as I understand it, Simon and I were talking about it beforehand. It's about fourteen and a half up front, um, which would be well within our budget. So uh, what you're telling me is Trump math. Yeah. Do do you pull like a Trump move and be like, no, I'm not going to pay you. I'm going to sue you until you uh, can't uh, till you can't pay the bill. I don't know. I did see a picture. Somebody sent us a picture uh, uh, maybe three weeks ago that I forgot to bring up and how great it would be to be a fly on that wall. But Trumpo was sitting with Cronkers at a dinner uh, along with Robert Kraft and uh, somebody else. So maybe. <laughs> Who <laughs> what knows? A, what a table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Problem is Trump wants to buy a football team. He just forgot that they don't. Uh, it's not football. Well, <laughs> yeah, him and uh, Vince McMahon tried that XFL thing, didn't they? Yeah, they said we can sell you a football team. He goes all in, not realizing it's soccer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, but that player is Ivory Coast International Nicholas Pepe, right. uh, who is a winger. Um, hopefully, uh, apparently Napoli had already agreed terms also with Le- uh, with Lille, um, but the agent rejected the offer from Napoli. Uh, the actual contract, personal terms. So hopefully we can work that contract out and he can come in. That'd be nice. I think it would give us an option on the other side um, to, and again, I like Awobi until the final third. <laughs> I think he works hard. I think he's good taking on players. His final ball is absolutely horrendous. His composure in front of goal is absolutely horrendous. It seems like so he's having a, best off the bench. But having, he seems like a yeah. spark kind of guy, not a, not a start and go kind of guy. Right, but having a, a, a proper winger to balance that out and maybe take a little bit of the pressure off of him would be nice. Um, you then also have Ozil and Mkhitaryan can play their natural positions in the middle and maybe switch off. If Ozil's you know, back is tweaked from Fortnite, Mickey can step in in that number 10. You know what I mean? And we, we have somebody. And then, again, you have the box-to-box guy uh, who's still very creative in Ceballos and then a defensive midfielder. I think that kind of fixes our spine a little bit in, and just provides qu- more cover for Ozil, actually. Important question with Ozil. When he tweaks his back playing Fortnite, is that from doing, like, the funky dances that they do on <laughs> Fortnite? Yeah. Is that is like he stands up and does that shit whenever he uh, He never wins? does it on his videos, so I don't know. <laughs> um, but apparently, uh, after we reported a couple of week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the Kieran Tierney deal seems to be back on. Apparently, Arsenal are confident of making that happen uh, very soon. So, um, I still think they I didn't see much about it, but I still think maybe Jenko going the other way um, to keep the cash to a minimum right. uh, would be good. Also, gives them a direct replacement just before the season starts, where they wouldn't be able to go spend that twenty million on anybody necessarily. Mm-hmm. So it solves a problem for them. And I think Jenkinson's a decent enough player; he'll do well in Scotland. I think he'll be just fine. If we're if we're talking about math, and admittedly not my strongest subject, the fact that Lil has agreed apparently with Arsenal on an installment deal for Nicolas Pepe means that Arsenal have the ability. If you're if you believe this forty to forty five million dollar transfer budget, Ceballos, there's a fee, but it's his wages don't count toward that budget. It, that's ongoing operating expenses, I guess. Yeah. The the biggest bugaboo was Celtic apparently said we have a twenty five million dollar valuation for Tierney, and Arsenal said okay we'll pay you twenty five but we want to do it this way in these tranches and Celtic said go fuck yourself and Neil Lennon has loved taking the piss out of us, which makes me mad. Um, if if you can get a guy like Pepe for only fourteen point five this year, you can. Pay Celtic the full boat twenty five and be done with it twenty five okay. and you know 
I would add a penny and say, go screw yourself. Tierney can oh, come. Oh, not then. this again. Yeah. What we did with Suarez. <laughs> Tierney can come this way. The There's also rumors, and Arsenal fans will be either hardened or not hardened, that Emery said after a recent match that we're looking to address wing, and I think that's code for Pepe, mm-hmm. and center back. Center back is a tricky one. As, as Sam said, when Harry Maguire is going for, what, 80? 80, 80, 90, potentially, yeah. And, and, the, then, and then to top it off, uh, Lester for Dunk to replace him is in the 40 range. Yep. You're talking about a team that almost got relegated. Their center back is going to go for 40 fucking million dollars. The, the Maguire like, one, he's, just, he's a good player, but, but I think so much of that value is inflated because he's English. Yeah. And because you're going to pay a premium for an English center back. Oh, well that, that, happened, have, that happens in American baseball. You have, we said it last week, English national player. Ro- roster requirements. Starter, starter on the English team, he's, you're going to, right. the money's going to oh, go that, up. That's why so many Cuban and Dominican baseball players get signed. They're mm-hmm. cheaper than American talent. They're just as good, but they're cheaper than American talent. But yeah. does baseball have a a, a, a homegrown minimum? No, no. Not, no, no, not no, like no, the EPL. No, not at all. Right. Uh, they're, they're a little bit apples and oranges. I'm just saying in terms of signing a home a uh, uh, player from that nationality, right, versus a foreigner. Brexit is real, bitches. Yeah. Brexit, is real. <laughs> Brexit is real. But the rumor, <laughs> and Emery's has fueled the speculation that uh, Arsenal is still looking at getting a center back, which would... Conceivably address a lot of the issues. So the the latest rumor now is we are considering turning to Juventus defender Daniele Rugani. Doesn't say to buy, doesn't say to loan, it doesn't have any other information. But apparently we're looking at one of Juventus's uh, backups. I've heard his name before. The other name that I'm hearing a lot of, and it pains me to say it a little bit, but he wouldn't be the worst one. You know where I'm going. <laughs> you know I where do. I'm going. I think I do. His name starts with a G. No. Gary Cahill. Oh. Yeah, that is where I thought you were going. I was just thinking Cahill. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even think of his first name. Yeah, and 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 look, that wouldn't be bad. He wouldn't be awful. Nope. And and and, and he would I do actually, a job for a year. And we I qualify for the Champions League. We get some money. We can spend next year. I'm fine yeah. with that. My my team likes to bitch about Ashley Williams. The one good year he had was really fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Cahill has not started regularly for Chelsea as of late. He was Chelsea captain. He is able to put a solid shift if you need cover until rob holding comes back and then even afterward you could do worse than gary cahill and he's probably cheap yep he won't stand up the point of people just not mustafi (laughs) (laughs) yes that's the new thing hashtag jnm (laughs) keep that going um so kind of arsenal related ex-arsenal striker danny welbeck is struggling to find a new club as he's demanding 100 grand a week and a five million signing bonus Coming off a broken ankle. Yeah, uh, sorry, <laughs> da- sorry, sorry, Danny. Burnley's not going to pay you that much. <laughs> Nor is Everton. Because, uh, Everton. <laughs> no, you know, I did see the one meme that said all of the people were linked with, and then it just said at the bottom, and we signed Danny Welbeck. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Sounds yeah, about sounds right. Sounds like a very Everton move. <laughs> um, I-, I love Danny. Such a good third striker, but 100 mil a week and five million sign on is is number one striker yeah. for, for the bottom half of the league. And those everybody there is probably already set. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's, rumors that's have kind of um, gone cold, mm-hmm. but Edu, our new Brazilian sporting director, who was a central midfielder for us, um, and the Brazilian winger named Everton, um, rumors have kind of cooled, but we're still being linked with him a bit. Uh, and then, again, with Kieran Tierney, apparently I just read Napoli has... 
essentially pulled out. They don't want him anymore, which will is I guess why we're reinvigorated. Right. So Celtic is going to get paid. I mean, what he, I think I read somewhere that if the deal gets done with Arsenal or with Napoli for twenty five million, it will set the transfer record for a Scottish player. Yep. Celtic mm-hmm. is going to get paid. They're going to get paid by somebody. I still think it's going to be Arsenal. If you can get the Pepe deal over the line in that installment that's rumored, it gives more money to Celtic to get their upfront payment. And again, I hope Neil Lennon takes it and fucking go screw himself with it. But it's able to be done. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it gets done. Uh, and then also in kind of Arsenal-related news, former uh, Arsenal wing target Wilfred Zaha is now being linked with Everton in a $60 million bid. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I, I got to ask you, I, I, was, I was thinking about this all the way down here. <laughs> Arsenal fans were beside themselves at the fact that they may not give Zaha last week. And then the rumor broke on Saturday. And I actually saw the tweet, and I had to go and check that it wasn't from a fake David Ornstein account. Right. Like the Oracle. Yeah. David Ornstein. Whenever he tweets something about us, 99% of the it's time it comes happen. true. Yeah. I, we, I, I just assumed we weren't in for Pepe. Like I had written him off right. weeks ago. Yep. Me now, too. Everybody's like, well, Pepe would be great. They asked somebody, another Arsenal fan, between Pepe and Zaha, which one would you want? He said, "Well, I like them both. I would, I would rather have Pepe. He's younger. He seems to be quicker and more dynamic. What would you pay as an Everton fan for Wilfred Zaha? And where would you draw the line? <sighs> I mean, no more than sixty. Um, I don't think he's necessarily worth sixty, but that's probably the number. Let's face it, proven Premier League player." It's just that's where the number's going to be, um, especially considering that a unproven Premier League player last year in Richarlison was $50 million and he proved worth every fucking penny. So I I think 60 is the number. My problem, I'll take Saha. I'll, I'll take him, gladly. He's a hell of a player. But the one thing we've actually said is we want a outside winger that is a left-footed winger. And we're getting yet another outside winger that is a right-footed player. So it's like we're just adding to a stockpile that we already have and not actually addressing the one thing we really fucking need. It <laughs> sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> but that being said, Wilfred Zaha plays on the left for Palace and does it very well right. with his either his left or right foot. Right. Um, I think being a right-footed player, we had obviously uh, one and of our greatest... And where plays on the left. So he's Zaha's going to move maybe to the right. He's, maybe he's talking about maybe right. he's talking about putting Richarlison through the middle again. And I hope not because that didn't work very well. He can't go to the right. Theo I, Walcott's I, there. Yeah, <laughs> no, no um, Bernard, Bernard is there. <laughs> but no, with, with a I I like having wrong-footed players on on the uh, on the wings. Um, well, it forever means, it means it means their goal side foot is exactly the, when, is you're, their when you foot. when you cut inside. Yeah. You have the whole goal to shoot at on your st- stronger foot. Try to get um, our buddy Rob all the time on DU to play on the, on right, the right because yeah. it means he would go to exactly. his left and he'd still always play on the left. Yeah, but we have, in in that situation, one of our greatest ever players, Robert Perez, uh, was a right-footed player that played on the left. Scored a boatload of goals for us. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah. I like it. Okay. Um, but it's just, I, I like that you you all are, like, us and you are now the new Southampton Liverpool. You're just taking <laughs> all of our scraps. 
Love it. Thank, thank you. Well, <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully, um, we we're also linked with a potential striker as well. So hopefully that all works out. And those two players have started following each other on uh, Twitter, which always means good things, right? Of yeah. course, because social media is always right. Of course, and always good every time. All right, guys. Well, since I was the driver today, I'm going to say good night first. Um, Simon, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure, as always. Um, I enjoyed Charlotte. Sorry I didn't run into you. Apparently, you guys went back and took a nap by the time I got to the pub. Uh, but I did get a chance to hang out with Baz, which was awesome. The the uh, two-shirted gooner. Yeah. Yeah. Baz it's all everywhere. That's my boy. Um, and then in D.C. again. Um, work held me up, and I couldn't make it to the tailgate, but I was there. Got there uh, about... 5.45, uh, and I had some people I had to meet up with because I had everyone's ticket. So. You missed me almost getting smoke inhalation issues from, <laughs> oh, from doing the grill, the grill at Arsenal America yeah. tailgate. <laughs> that was uh, your daughter Tegan's first Arsenal match, right? It was, and my very first Arsenal match 13 years ago was Arsenal-Real Madrid at Highbury in the quarterfinal very of the Champions cool. League. Very, so very cool. So she got to experience Arsenal-Real Madrid. Uh, I do want to give a quick shout-out to the Arsenal medical staff for getting the Ceballos paperwork done just before... Uh, Marco Asensio tore his ACL uh, in that game, which probably would have scuppered that deal. So we actually have a uh, a fan in the audience today. So, uh, Tegan, tell us how you enjoyed the game. I liked it a lot. I was sad that Arsenal lost, but obviously it's just um, they were on tour, and it was just a friendly game, so it doesn't really matter anyways. But Gareth Bale got a penalty saved, and that's just as good as winning yeah, in it, <laughs> seeing him fail. All right, so yeah, anyway, guys, good night. I won't be here next week. I will make sure that I have my prediction stuff in for the start of the season, but I'm on vacation next week, and you're going to be inundated with Everton bullshit. So you all have a wonderful week, a uh, couple of weeks, and I'll see you. <sighs> Fucking prick. Um, Simon, thank you so much for joining us, man. Thank really great to have you again. Me. Thank you again for <laughs> it's having a me. Mutiny. It's been fun. All righty. So, um, yeah, next week we're going to do a... Um, we're going to do an all-Everton show. We're also going to do a all-Liverpool show. Um, our buddy Russ is going to sit in for Mr. Graham, so we will make it a point to try not to actually mention the word Arsenal, at least at all, because, well, Lord only knows you've talked about him a fuck enough. Hey, Mel, check your phone after I leave. Uh-huh. Uh, Good luck. <laughs> I might Skype in. Fuck yourself. <laughs> I will say, I will say, I have thoroughly enjoyed not having to do a fucking thing and have to worry about <laughs> responsibility. And knowing that the show has run way over tells me one thing you don't know how to drive a bus. Till next week, everybody. Good night. Good night. How you doing out there? You ever seen there one of those days where it just seems like everybody's getting on your case from your teacher all the way down to your best girlfriend? Well, you know, I used to have them just about all the time. But I found a way to get out of it. Let me tell you about it. got nubby fingers and his hair looks like a bush. <laughs> On that note,
Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think we need an intro. No, we're today. done. Yeah. <laughs> this is the after hours right. political special. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Your ears don't work. They're all make do. We're good. More coke. Yeah, more coke. Oh God. Big yeah. Hyper focused. Was it strippers and blow? Strippers? No, no, no. Blow <laughs> off of a stripper's ass. The only way to do blow. Idiot. My new <laughs> fantasy football team name. 